Welcome to The Innovative Mindset with your host, Harrison Kelly. The Innovative Mindset was created to give easy access to people with innovative stories and livelihoods that can teach valuable lessons to everybody. Today on episode 12 of The Innovative Mindset, we have John Peters. John Peters is a professional artist and craftsman specializing in handmade furniture and custom commissioned artwork. He has grown a large following for himself on Instagram and YouTube based on his woodworking art and home improvement projects. Please enjoy this episode of The Innovative Mindset with Harrison Kelly and John Peters. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Super excited to have my first in-person guest on the podcast, Jonathan Peters. How you doing, John? Good. Good to, good to be here in my shop, but good to be hanging <laughs> yeah. out with you, man. Good to be here in your shop as well. Uh, I've known Jonathan for a long time, and coincidentally, a good uh, good long-time friend just so happens to have 500,000-plus <laughs> subscribers on YouTube, so can't beat that. John, you want to just talk a little bit about what you do and, and what you're doing on the YouTube channel? Sure. So... This has been a long road. I've been doing YouTube now for close to 10 years and you kind of find things that work and find things that don't work. Uh, and what I found for me that to be best is to really focus on teaching the skill of woodworking and building furniture. And so I've been doing a variety of that, some home improvement stuff. Sometimes I'm outside and on the yard because I have a, a pretty big piece of property and I do maintain the property. So that does work its way into the show, but the focus is generally on woodworking, but it, it kind of goes through the DIY uh, spectrum. It's, a, it's an interesting space to be in, and it's something that we've chatted about personally in the past, but something that I find super cool is that being an influencer, like <laughs> oftentimes people perceive that kind of Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner kind of influencer, but really there's so much beauty within the niche influencer space, so doing some uh, client work in the DIY space recently, I was able to see just how expansive and huge this space is, as you can, as your follower count on YouTube and now Instagram as well can attest to, um, so the niche influencer space is a, a hot spot to be right now. Absolutely, and uh, I was over at uh, Jonathan Green, which is a seed company, they've been around since 1881, grass seed, they make other products too. But just to talk about niche, uh, I'm kind of a, a lawn, kind of a nut, you know, that might show my age. <laughs> I've turned into that old guy who's like into his lawn. Um, but anyway, uh, the people who follow me know that that's kind of what I'm into. And um, that's a great product. So they've become uh, a new client that I work with in the influencer market. So it makes sense for somebody like me to talk about Jonathan Green products and uh, where it wouldn't make sense for somebody like Kim Kardashian. So yeah, you're right, it's so niche that there's so many uh, possibilities for so many different brands. No doubt about it, and definitely that was one of the main points that I hope to have get into as far as niche influencers are concerned. The beautiful thing about them is you might not have Kim Kardashian's follower account, but your followers love what you do. So it's like an account with 10,000 followers that solely focuses on lawn products is much more appealing to a Jonathan Green type of space uh, versus like a beauty product might be more of a Kardashian thing but uh, obviously it all depends which which influence you choose to have your niche be. Well I, absolutely and the funny thing uh, because I I had a business a brick and mortar business for almost 20 years so I know the price of advertising and print, a, print, print advertising 
and uh, you don't really get a lot for that because the when when I'm working with a, a company, I won't work with a company unless I endorse their product. I don't, everybody's not that way. I just happen to be that way. But if you think of a magazine, they definitely aren't that way. It's basically whoever can afford a quarter page, a half page, or a page. Um, but that that client is only getting that page, and they're not getting any uh, professional advice about the product. So generally, I'll use a product in a in a uh, in a project that I'm working on. The, the last project that I worked on, two of my sponsors were uh, one was a finishing company, Waterlocks, which has been around for almost 100 years or more, maybe, and I've been using them for maybe 25 years. And the other product was Biloxygen, which is a gas that keeps the uh, an oil-based finish from from going bad. So that's real niche. Um, but there are two products that I uh, believe in and use and so I'm very comfortable and it fits right into the content that I'm creating that I'm using these products on this project. It's a win-win and your your relationship with brands is definitely something that I hope to get into but to kind of take things back a little bit I'd love to hear a little bit more of how you got into content creation and what drew you to YouTube back in the day when you first got started. Absolutely so everybody has a dream right you have your dream job in mind and when I was a kid, I call myself a kid, 17 years old, I consider that a kid. <laughs> I uh, when, I was, when I was 17 years old, I worked in a cabinet shop. Uh, my boss, very talented, I, I'm friends with him to this day. And um, I, I would work with him and then that got me into sort of the uh, This Old House kind of um, content, our TV shows, This Old House, uh, the New Yankee Workshop. And because I was building furniture and working in a wood shop, uh, I really was drawn to that kind of content and found it really satisfying to watch that kind of content. My stool is very squeaky. That's <laughs> a, so anyway, um, so as life goes on and you build your skills and you kind of get better with things, in the back of your mind you're thinking, geez, a dream job would be doing what Norm Abrams does on this old house or the New Yankee workshop. and. I know a lot about tools and how to do things and finishes and things and I'm very happy to give people advice and often will end up giving people friends and family advice or people I meet in the hardware store. And so I thought it would just be wonderful to have my own show. And how do you do that? How do you get on HGTV or how do you do, you know, because there's all these shows. This is going back 15 years ago when this is kind of floating around in my mind. And then five years later. Uh, YouTube comes along around 2010 or whatever it was and I was always thinking I wish I knew somebody who knew how to shoot a video how to edit video and once YouTube came up and after a few conversations I typed into YouTube one day how to shoot and edit video some young kid out in the middle of the country is like yeah hey, this is what you do you know you just drag this over here I made a video of my kids snowboarding and I thought, wow, this is really fun. The, the, the editing process is a lot of fun. And I can do this. And now I look at my old videos, they're a little cringy. You gotta start something. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but you know, you, you learn the process and all of a sudden you're like, hey, I can shoot and edit these videos myself and tell my story and teach the way I want to and be completely my own boss and not have to try to hit a mark for somebody that might be an invisible 
um, mark that I can't see. So uh, when you work for yourself and you make all your own content, it's you really got to please yourself, and uh, that's generally what I do. So uh, every every almost day I'm in here telling the story of what the next project is. And I really love it. It's a dream job. Yeah, it's it's incredible. The the beautiful thing about the internet is anyone can have a voice now. It used to be, back in the day, it was HGTV got to choose who talked about woodworking. Now the internet has made it so. <laughs> I learned how to woodwork last week. I can start making YouTube videos if I want to, which is such a, a powerful thing about the 21st century. So thank God for that, huh? <laughs> it, it's really something, I mean, uh, there's no gatekeeper. That's what people will say. There's no, exactly. there's nobody standing in front of you saying you get a chance or you don't get a chance. I heard an interview with uh, somebody, and they were talking about Clive Davis, the music producer. And Clive said his whole job was picking somebody. He just picked somebody. So today, you don't have to be, wait to be picked. Pick yourself. Just do it. Pick yourself. That <laughs> was his statement. He said, just pick yourself. If, it, if there's something that you can dream up, just pick yourself to do it. Exactly, yeah. And, and as you mentioned before about looking at the old videos, even if your first stuff sucks, I don't think there's anybody in space of content creation that doesn't hate their first pieces of work True. looking down the line. So uh, obviously though, <laughs> even the videos that quote unquote sucked back then seem to have taken off pretty well. When did you start seeing traction on YouTube? And what were some of the lessons you learned as you started to grow? I started seeing traction on YouTube uh, shortly after my first woodworking project, building a table. And that's, uh, I think, my first, I think I may have taken everything else down except my first woodworking project. And next thing you know, I was getting comments. I was getting uh, thumbs ups and uh, or likes. And that, so that was before any kind of monetization. And that was a real inspiration because I've said it before, Anybody making something, trying to make something beautiful, one of their motivations, maybe a, their main motivation, is to show somebody what they've made, right? So if you paint a picture, you want somebody to see it. If you make a piece of furniture, you want somebody to see what you've made. And if you deliver that piece of furniture to, to a client, well, you've seen it, your client's seen it, maybe their friends and family have seen it. But when you put it on the internet, tens of thousands of people now see it and you become part of this community uh, of learning and giving uh, similar advice or, or learning and giving uh, about, a, about a certain kind of a thing that you're into in life. My wording's not correct, but you know what I mean. Yeah, your, your niche. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you, you really just saw traction kind of beating the rush to YouTube, it sounds like. I and did. Obviously, the talent that you have is a factor here too, but there's plenty of talented woodworkers who probably are kicking themselves for starting five years after you did when you already started to kind of amass somebody within the niche starting to follow you. I think there's room for anybody. Anybody getting into woodworking. I've seen channels that have started a year or two and they just skyrocket. And they're just really good at managing their brand. They're great at editing. They're great at telling a story. So you never know really what the X factor is that's going to make a channel really blow up. My channel, I would say, is kind of even. It doesn't really blow up. It just kind of cruises along. But the high that I get from making content is the, the um, exchange that I have with my viewers 
and the fact that they're building the furniture that I designed and built here in the shop. So it's, it's a little bit different. I'll post a video and in a week it may get 18 to 30,000 views. Other woodworkers or makers will post a video and maybe get 100,000 views. So you really, you can't discredit yourself because you're not getting the views. You just have to figure out what makes you happy and what your goal is and then work towards that. Definitely. Uh, something that you touched on that I just want to take a moment to highlight is that fact that you're doing such a good job of engaging with your audience. All the influencers that I've spoken with on the podcast and personally as I, I try and grow my own personal brand have talked about the importance of really connecting with the people that you're doing or the people that you're creating the videos for. So it means the world to you that these people are building your projects. Absolutely. Think of how much it means to them that you're acknowledging the fact that they're building your projects. And that's going to keep them sticking around, continuing to view you, and uh, and having that loyal fan base is crucial in the, the space of being a niche influencer. Uh, yeah, it's um, I mean, it's it's funny because I, I do try to answer comments. You can't answer all the comments. Or that's all you would do. Mm -hmm. um, but um, it's... Uh, what I try to do is answer the questions in the actual project video. So when I'm making a piece of furniture, I'm essentially teaching somebody how to make it. And then they can purchase the plans on my site and build along with me. I'll have, uh, I'll have comments and emails that say, oh, I, I, post, I mounted a flat screen TV in the shop so I can build along with you. And then they sit there or they they work in their shop with the remote control of the TV and they just follow along with the steps as they build and so the the focus uh, of late is to really focus on the teaching and and try to even that things are obvious for me I've been doing this for 30 years it's not going to be obvious to somebody who's only been woodworking two or three years so I, I try to explain a project as if maybe one of my sons is going to build a piece of furniture one day and I'll be able to help them along the process. That's a great way to go about it. I, uh, I spoke with another, a guy who's a travel blogger who's been a travel blogger for 20 plus years yesterday and it was very interesting that he was talking about how important feedback is. So one of the things he would do is tell listeners, like, please reach out with any questions that you have. And something that he found, which I'm sure you find too, as someone who's been in the space for so long, a lot of the time the questions that you get are not the ones that you even fathom that people might have needed help answering. So thinking about it in that sense that, oh, let's assume that the person watching is a complete beginner. is a good way to make sure, sure you're covering all your bases. Absolutely. And so the, the idea there is the beginner will get the help they need to complete the project and the more experienced woodworker might just be there for the design. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's really kind of my goal too, is to be recognized as a furniture designer. Uh, I think that the difference between a, what I'm shooting for is elegant. Mm -hmm. That's the main, that's like the word that describes what I'm going for when I build a piece of furniture. And the difference between elegant and kind of bulky is often just a quarter of an inch. And so that, Having that eye, that eye and trying to make that piece of furniture that in 20 years is still going to be beautiful, that's why, uh, that's why I hope people are building my furniture. And that seems to be the sense and the feedback that I'm getting. Well, that's great. And, and based on the stuff that I've seen, you definitely, you've definitely got that artistic vision that you're talking about. And oh, thanks. I know that those pieces will still be beautiful down the line. 
Uh, going back to, you mentioned before that this was kind of like a dream job that you had in mind, doing like the HGTV style home and uh, DIY woodworking stuff. What's interesting enough is that you actually have succeeded in monetizing this idea. There's a lot of people that are putting stuff on YouTube solely from a passion standpoint, which is what it was for you at first. But there's many different ways outside of just revenue from YouTube ads that you've been able to make a profit. Would you mind sharing a little bit about how you were able to monetize it and get it to the point where it was an actual career path for you? Sure. Well, there's there's not a lot of money to be made on YouTube. I mean, unless you're getting crazy view counts. Uh, but there is always a little bit of a stipend that you get from Google. Yeah, it's because like a bonus check, right? Exactly. And it comes in, you know, every month you can count on it. It's like clockwork. It doesn't fluctuate that much. I mean, it kind of goes up a little bit in the fall towards the holidays, as you can imagine. Kind of goes back down a little bit after the holidays. Um, so that's a little bit of a revenue stream there. Another revenue stream is uh, selling plans. So the plans are one revenue stream. The Google AdSense is one revenue stream. I belong to a private um, organization, I guess, or, or club for woodworking where people pay for private instructions and then they'll also get the plans. Uh, so that's a paywall there. I belong to that with uh, maybe half a dozen other woodworkers and makers. So that's a constant. And then you have advertising. And advertising can be uh, whoever your brand is that you work with. Yeah, this, the sponsorship side of things is what is really fascinating to me. So a question that I would have there is, how are you able out the gate to build the relationships with brands that you now have an ongoing relationship with? It's pretty funny because I've been using some of these products for 25 or 30 years. And before Instagram, I would just use their products and I would put their their label uh, on camera and talk about it not trying to not trying to plug the brand so much but tell the viewer that this, this is, is the why. product that I'm using this is the one I've had good success with and if you are going to build this project this is a good product to use because there's so many different products and tools and things like that I'm trying to make it clear for them again I'm, I'm telling the audience, the viewer, the same thing that I would tell my brother or my friend or my, one of my kids. This is the experience I have with this product, so I'm suggesting it to you. Um, so because of that, years later, when the, it became kind of a, a thing, yeah, brands would reach out through email, through, through uh, they would find my email through my channel. And they would reach out. And then I would also reach out to brands. So if I'm if I'm using a product that I particularly like, now with Instagram, I'll just send them an instant message. I'm using your product. I really like it. Do you want to have a working relationship? And that's very easy because that could be a matter of a couple of seconds to write a quick message. And you may hear nothing back. Or you may, you may start a conversation. Yeah, and I've had a, plenty of conversations started just with that simple two-sentence Instagram, Instagram message. Or, or if you create a piece of content with their product and now it has 100,000 views on Instagram, it, it sort of opens up and tag them. Now they're like, oh, wow, he's, 
he is making content. He does use our brand, and it's getting attention. and it's getting attention. Exactly. Interesting. So as a result of as a result of your genuineness, just sharing the products, it ended up kind of you kind of beat the rush to the whole influencer marketing strategy as well. I don't know if I beat the rush because there's so many brands out there and so many influencers working. Uh, it's just that I have my niche. So I'm only one person. I don't need to work for a hundred different brands. If I have, um, you know, 10 or 15 brands that are, are loyal to me and I'm loyal to them, or sometimes less, sometimes more, uh, that's plenty because for me to make content, I have to produce something. So I'll be building uh, a, a log rack actually for the the video that I make for Jonathan Green, and so it's not that I can just record a video talking about the Jonathan Green products. I physically have to You're build a Jonathan, project. Right. So, but no, I physically have to build this project. So how long is it going to take me to build that? So if you are selling makeup and you're, you know, if I'm going back to one of the big, like a Kim Kardashian or something, she can probably shoot multiple videos for products every day with a team of people changing her hair, her makeup and things like that. For me, if I'm, if I'm, let's, let's just say wood finishing. If I'm, if I'm sponsored by a particular wood finishing brand or product, I can't, I can't really promote for that brand until I've finished building the product project, and that might take two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm limited to how much I can actually do. So the way to the way to work that is, first of all, if I'm building a project, good chance is I'm building it for a client, so I'll get paid by my client. Then I'll get paid by my uh, main sponsor, then I'll have secondary sponsors, or maybe there's uh, an offshoot from that video that I, that I don't want to spend an entire video working on that one little area that's a little complicated. I'll make a separate video for that, and that's another potential for a sponsor. Mm, interesting. So there's a lot of different avenues that you can take the sponsorship thing. Yeah, and you're always creating content, so any of that content can be re-edited, changed around, uh, used again six months from now. Yeah, Not so much on YouTube, but on Instagram. So just a little insight on how I edit. The last project that I put up is a 30-minute project. That's designed for the people out there who want to build that project or want to get, who want to see that whole project and maybe use aspects of that project in something they're going to build. Uh, so that's that 30-minute project that goes up. It's a teaching pro project. I still have all that content, right? So I have that 30-minute long stretch that has voiceover, has um, all the explanations to do it. So when I finish with that project, I'm not just going to have that one, that one clip. I'm now going to take that and I'll remove the sponsors. I'll remove... Uh, any music and I'll save it again then I'll take that same clip again and I'll remove any transitions and I'll remove maybe any voiceover and I'll save it again generally I'll save one project three or four maybe five different ways so I can go back to it and then cut it up and turn it maybe I'll take a 
60 second part out of that where I'm using a certain tool and now that tool is highlighted and an opportunity comes up and I can use that tool on Instagram and create a post for a company. It's, it's fascinating. One of the things that I found that's so great about doing like the long form podcast is that uh, I've been talking to my video editor guy and I'm just like, I can chop up this content for years to come because there's so many valuable insights across the entirety of it that it's like I can have the long form podcast up, but I can be posting you or uh, Instagram content about that episode years down the line just because of how long and how in-depth we get. So it's it's great that you have the opportunity to repurpose this content as you deem fit, so. Well, and you know, it's one of those things like I can I consume content like that. One thing that's really important when you're first getting into this is archive your content and archive it in a very organized way. Definitely. So you can find it, because I can go back a couple of years and boom, 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 just get it take it out and cut it. it. That's super important. That's a that's a great anecdote that I'm glad you highlighted. I worked for a company at one point that they were a little technologically illiterate and they would be like, they'd be looking for a document from four years ago, but if the last name of the client was Smith, they'd have Smith document 743 that it, they were looking for, but yeah. about those other 800 files, they'd have to skim through and it's just being organized and having it in a vault somewhere that's easy to access super important detail that people might not think about when they're quickly just uploading something to uh, to their computer. Absolutely, definitely. So speaking of, that's a mistake that a lot of people make at the gate. That actually brings me to another important question that I have. One of the things that I think really embodies the innovative mindset that I'm trying to push on this show is learning from mistakes and continually growing. Would you mind highlighting some of the mistakes that Looking back on your surprise you made early on, but but continued to make regardless. Yeah, uh, I did continue to make them. Um, I don't know if I was surprised that I made them. My biggest problem, what kept my channel from growing faster than I think it could have, was not being focused in one in one particular genre. Let's say so because I have a lot of different interests, I would do a woodworking video that would do really good, and then I might go fishing and do. A, video about that mm. and almost turning it into like a blog then I and also art you know that I'm yes, a professional artist so art is a weird thing a lot of people just don't want to know about art um, but I was interested in that so I thought oh I'll do I'll show people how this painting process is done and so it makes total sense sense that I would lose viewership there because I'm not being cohesive right if you're tuning in to watch Let's let's just say Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right? If you're tuning in to see that show, you're kind of geared up and ready for that show. <laughs> if 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 a news program comes on instead, you're going to wonder what what happened. Or if a fishing show comes on instead, you're going to wonder yeah, what happened. This is what I signed up for. Yeah. So my biggest problem wasn't sticking with one particular genre, and occasionally even knowing that I was wrong I would be like oh that's so cool I'm just gonna make a video about that anyway so literally I've made videos about goat farming I've made videos about different art projects um, and those videos inevitably don't do well and from a business point of view it would have been better not to do them it's just that I happened to love the subject you know whether it was meeting an artist whether it was going up to Vermont and uh, meeting my friend who makes uh, handmade gloves 
that is fascinating to me. It's a great product. Meanwhile, the video, you know, it's the people tuning in aren't tuning in to see a pair of gloves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your subscribers might not so want to see that. That brings me on to a, a second thing there. Now, I do have a second channel that I just call Shop Talk, and that's sometimes where I'll try to answer questions. I don't do it as regularly as I would like to. Um, that's one little thing that I am going to try to build up one day. Um, but on a totally separate thing, I do have a platform now of you know a good amount of subscribers. I could potentially use the platform that I have with the woodworking channel to build a second platform. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I would I really want to do. Uh, and it'll probably probably be two or three or four years from now and it will be something I don't do on my own. Maybe it's something I can find somebody uh, or even a team to work on because I would love to send out a videographer uh, and, and get the content of somebody doing something interesting, whether that's um, tapping maple trees for, to make maple syrup or whether that's a fishing expedition or something. I have to kind of find it. It's like a, it, it, I'm interested in what people are passionate about and when they, they go out in kind of in a small format and do something, like whether that's the small farmer, the small woodworker, um, you name it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I won't do that. I think I was kind of trying to do that with this channel and I, I realized I can't. Here, the focus needs to be on woodworking. Got it. Uh, another thing that you touched on briefly as we were chatting earlier is that you opted to, to strive or uh, to get away from posting once a week, every week, and rather to switch it up so that it was uh, more so, I guess, not that they weren't quality videos, but it's easier to double down on high quality stuff when they're less frequent. Uh, do you have a kind of a rule of thumb as far as your publication uh, strategy or are you more so... Uh, just when a good video comes along, you're prepared to post it. Just until recently, literally like a month or two ago, I was always trying to put something up once a week, usually Friday. Um, and, and that's difficult because it's a pretty hard schedule when, when you're Definitely. building when you're building something. And uh, what I sort of came to the idea maybe six months ago to try to rebrand a little bit so I've always been John Peters originally I was John Peters art and home then I just switched it to John Peters now I'm John Peters Longview Woodworking so the reason for that is Longview Woodworking is something that I believe and it's kind of like the things that I make will be good in the long view right 20 years from now they'll they'll still have value uh, also the long view is what do I want to do right so uh, in my long view is to have uh, a larger shop, hopefully in Vermont, and do some kind of a school with it. Uh, whether that's people would probably, you know, this whole COVID thing is over hopefully one day. People will come up to Vermont and go to the Longview Woodworking School and maybe build something, right? Uh, or they'll be able to uh, come up and build for a few days, take it with them, and then finish it in their own shop. Uh, the other thing is... Who wants to buy a shirt or a hat that says John Peters? Mm. But Longview Woodworking then has some kind of a more marketing. Marketable. It's a much more marketable thing. I haven't really pushed it yet, but I have sold some hats and some shirts. 
and some coffee mugs. And so that was the reason there. But really, um, kind of looking at where I fit in this spectrum of woodworkers and makers on YouTube, uh, I feel like I fit in as the teacher, or not the teacher, but a teacher, uh, and a teacher who is helping people make projects that they're proud of. And I know that um, sort of the, the idea is that um, the idea is that to come up with good designs that uh, look good and are worth making, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's easy to fall into a trap of just producing stuff to make content, and then you're really almost making a, a prop as opposed to a piece of furniture. Legitimate quality product. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, Gary Vaynerchuk's kind of like the staple guy that's like, post as much content as you consistently can. But the more influencers that I talk to, I often find that they, they lean more so in your direction. Like, why would I force producing content on a daily basis or a weekly basis when I could stick to what I know and, and post stuff that's super high quality, creating the most valuable possible for my audience. It seems like a much more steadfast approach to long-term success doing it that way. Yeah, and I think Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary Vaynerchuk, is that how he pronounces mm -hmm. it? I think he's really speaking for himself. I think that works for him. Definitely. It, I don't think it works for everybody, and I think that if I were to start trying to post 10 times a day on Instagram, people would be like, shut up, man. You know? <laughs> That's a great point. It really comes down to, for what he's doing, yeah, I mean, he's confident that has thousands of hours of video content. It's easy for him to do, but for, for other people, maybe not necessarily. Yeah, and I just think, exactly. I mean, it fits into, somebody else just commented or, about him to me. Uh, saying that that's what you have to do because that's what Gary says and I thought to myself I don't know about that I mean it really comes down to the individual um, I know even with Instagram stories if if I see like a ton of stories it's a turn off whew, I just don't know if I can suck it's it in you know, I'm like, yeah but if I see like six or seven stories I'm like oh okay that's, that's pretty good yeah I can do that but when I see all those little dots I'm I don't know if I can get through it because you you know you're you're consuming that content when you're eating lunch or doing something. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It um it's another great point that really ties into as I my my niche has been trying to scale my LinkedIn profile and I've seen probably and spoken with so many people that have like legitimate followings on that site as you probably have with YouTube and Instagram uh, and something that's so telling is that. So many people have told me you have to do A, B, and C to succeed on here. But another guy who's equally as successful will say, well, you need to do this A, B, and C. So it really comes down to, to personal choice and your personal personality and just your general interests as well. So there's no, to anyone that's listening, just know nobody is 100% correct about how you're going to find success in this field or in any field, really. It all comes down to personal choices as well. Yeah, I, definitely. And, and I think that you have to, you know, be true to yourself. And, um, and and that's the main thing. Like, for me, it's like, can I look at this, what I've just made, and and feel good about seeing it, you know, four or five years from now. And and it's also sort of like knowing who you are. So I, I'm not a comedian. I'm not the funny person. Um, I might be funny in my own ways when people know me, just, just different mannerisms. 
but nothing's worse than somebody who's not funny trying to be funny. <laughs> so I just, I'm just a straight shooter. This is what it is. This is how we're going to do it. And I try to, I try to explain what I'm doing in a very clear and concise manner because that's the hard thing. You know, it's like, how do you explain something sometimes that might be somewhat complex, but try to do it in like 15 seconds and have it make sense because sometimes the longer you go, the more confusing it becomes. Definitely. Another great point that I want to highlight that you addressed there is that you know that you're not the funny guy, so you're not going out there and cracking jokes. Something else that's really important in the space of content creation is being able to find your own voice. So I think when people watch your channel, they see a genuinely nice guy who's clearly passionate about the subject at hand, and that resonates with people. There's a reason that you've amassed this followership. But if you were trying to crack those jokes, yeah. like wanting to be the funny guy, people might not resonate with it as much because authenticity is translated into the content that you're creating. So another super valuable skill that you address there, finding your true voice. And those guys who are funny guys are great. Definitely. Because they're just, they're just good. I mean, I, I'm, I'll watch some of the, you know, there's one woodworker in particular, uh, and he's just got a great energy. And he's funny and he's, you know, he's a good woodworker too. So that's just who he is. Exactly. He knows himself and he's, yeah. he's stuck to it on the show. Whereas if, if he was trying to be a super serious guy in his videos, it might not translate as nicely. Exactly. Know yourself, know your voice, and whether you're an influencer or a brand, being able to kind of solidify, this is who I am and I want people to see that representation on camera or in the video or whatever it may be, uh, it's very important to be able to identify. So Absolutely. Super crucial aspect. Uh, as we kind of wind things down here, I always like to ask, if there's a particular quote or a, a personal philosophy that has been tried and true throughout your success that you would like to share with everybody. Uh, there's a really good quote that I like, but I don't know if I can remember it right now, but, um, by uh, Chuck Close, the painter. And that quote is, um, inspiration is for amateurs. The rest of us, the rest of us just get up and go to work. I just thought that was good. He's a really good painter. Um, and, uh, I think the main thing, my main advice is for try to find something that you're passionate about, something that's reasonable. Does it make sense to be passionate about this? And, and then figure out what you have to do to make it work for you. And then put the work in. You have to put the work in. Have to put the work in. No doubt about it. I've recorded a lot of podcasts now, so <laughs> hopefully yeah. now that I'm putting the work in, we'll start to uh, and continue to see the views go up. So, well, John, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. For anyone that hasn't checked out the Longview Woodworking YouTube channel, it's an awesome one. You also have the Instagram now. It's growing pretty tremendously, so check John out on there as well. And, and John, thank you for oh, coming on the Innovative Mindset. My pleasure, man. I hope you enjoyed episode 12 of The Innovative Mindset with John Peters. Please join us on your favorite podcast platform that's YouTube included for the video version of the show. So that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify as well. Don't forget to follow on Instagram and connect with Harrison on LinkedIn. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next one.